Good evening, hushlings, and welcome. I present your preceptors to the underbelly of the void, the whispers of conjecture, and the known of the unknown. Thus begins the conclave of the Hush Hush Society. We turned around, and here was this little toddler walking out of the fog with absolutely no clothes on at all. Well, it's, it's trouble. Every month in almost every state, people go into the wilderness and don't come out. Stories like that are what fueled David Politis. Forever rifling newspaper archives and badgering federal agencies for public records, he's discovered more than 400 cases of people who wandered into the wilderness but never came back. Accounts of children, people, vanishing, seemingly swallowed up by the many endless forests across America, or even later found in ways that defy logic. Greetings, Hushlings. Welcome back to the Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour. Where we journey into the world of conspiratorial mysteries and dark truths. I'm Declassified Dave. And I'm Mystery Mike. And as always, we're joined by our junior park ranger, Slick Frong Sanders. I am Slick Frong Sanders. You're right. And you know what? Fun fact, growing up, I wanted to be a park ranger. I wanted that job bad. And then I found out how much schooling you need for it and said, fuck that. You uh, disclosed that on a Patreon episode. So. Did I? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you need a whole bunch of biology degrees and nature sciences and mm. tough work, man. And you could go missing. Did you ever do the Boy Scouts? Were you ever a Boy Scout? I, I did Boy Scouts up until the Pinewood Derby, which is fairly early. Cub, Cub Scouts still. Cub Scouts, yeah. yeah. Cub Scouts. That yeah. didn't last very long. Did Boy Scouts for a bit. It was a little much at times. Those polar plunges were brutal camping trips with spiders like like that you had to have a bug net sharing a tent with a scout master late at night oh yeah yeah so turn down the fire get it real low like this let's put our tent way over there away from all these other tents it's time for chow kitties hushlings for today's debriefing, we're getting into the missing 411, and for hundreds of years, hunters have vanished from North American wildlands, many without a trace. There are also many stories of weathered outdoorsmen experiencing the unexplainable, some of which defy common sense, challenge conventional wisdom, and remained unexplained to this very day. But before we hike into uncharted territory... Just want to remind you, as always, of our social medias, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also reach out to us on our website, HushHushSociety.com. Yes, and on the website, you can find everything Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour. You can find all of our episodes just like this one. You can find merchandise links, links to all our social medias that Mike just had mentioned, as well as the link to our Shining Faces our video portion on Rockfin. Isn't that wild that people just like listen to us? I mean, it's great. <laughs> I love it. I love that people listen to us, but then they get out of work. They go home. They sit on the couch. What are, what are they going to do? They're going to watch Fox news or watch big mouth. 
they're watching Family Guy when they could just be watching the Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour on Rockfin. There you can find all of our video episodes, each and every one of them, except for Tartaria, because, you know, I mentioned it last time. It's an issue. But yeah, yeah. Go to the Rockfin. It's a great time. Watch us. Do you think that there's people that are actually watching the Rockfin on their television, feet up, beer in hand? Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Hopefully pants off. Hopefully. Hopefully. (laughs) Oh, no. Hushlings, lastly, before we get into the episode, just want to thank you for all the reviews that you have been leaving us through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere else that you can leave us a mention or a uh, little comment. I guess you can do that on Spotify now. So we've been getting some comments on some episodes. That's interesting. But yeah, keep them coming. We enjoy the reviews. They help us to become a better show, as always. The Q&A thing is pretty cool. It's a nice little addition. Little tidbit, boys, before we get going. Did you know that the National Park Service Search and Rescue, or SAR, their data that there were over 3,453 reported missing and 182 deaths in 2017 alone in just our national park system. Those are rookie numbers. We got to pump those up. (laughs) More bear attacks, more eaten by wolves. You know, it's real cool when, when bald eagles swoop down and grab children thinking it's like a baby goat and then fly (laughs) away with it. Got to get the bald eagles going. Does that happen often? It happens. I don't know how often, but yeah, large birds are known to grab toddlers, babies. I was almost grabbed as a child. What? I was almost grabbed as a child. No, I was almost scalped as an adult by a hawk, but not grabbed. Dave was grabbed by a predator. A predatory bird. (laughs) Not in the woods. On the set of the fucking Sesame Street. It was just Big Bird. I'm from the (laughs) woods, so it might have been in the woods. (laughs) Oh, no. Now, the guy who really started the rabbit hole and research of trying to connect the dots on all of the missing people we'll talk about today is David Politis. David Politis is a former police officer who is now a conspiracy theorist. How easily they turn. Investigator and writer, best known for his self-published books, proving the existence of Bigfoot and establishing this missing 411 conspiracy theory. So this is the guy. This is the guy. Fun fact, I'm pretty sure he was fired from the police force for some type of misdemeanor. Couldn't find the exact charge, but I think he was let go. Yeah, probably for writing books about Bigfoot stealing children in the woods. <laughs> David, how can we how can we put you on any case confidently knowing that your first suspect is Bigfoot? Yeah. <laughs> well, I think the suspect was eight feet tall. Looks like his hands were thirteen inches long. He smells of a skunk and enjoys wood knocking. David, we're in the middle of Chicago. (laughs) His work on the topic began when he was conducting research in a national park and an off-duty park ranger approached him, expressing concern about the suspicious nature of some of the missing person cases that occurred in the parks. 
A lot of these famous cases he has worked on were shared in his documentary films, Missing 411. Also, Missing 411, The Hunted. There's also Missing 411, The UFO Connection, as well as Vanished, and over 10 books on the subject covering various regions of North America. I should have watched The Hunted and The UFO Connection. I watched just, you know, Missing 411. I wasn't stoked on that documentary, guys. A lot of the people that we talk about, because this guy is from those documentaries. Uh, I watched the UFO Connection one. That was interesting. I would love Mm. to have this guy on, though. Talk to him. We could reach out. Now, Hushlings, you may be asking yourself, well, what makes a 411 case a 411 case? People disappearing that are a part of groups is one of the most significant aspects. It's as if certain people are snatched the moment their fellow travelers turn their backs instantly vanished. To complicate matters further, severe weather events frequently occur after disappearances impeding search and rescue efforts. Yeah, thunderstorms, rain, all that. Mudslides. That's gonna it's gonna mess you up, man. Crazy shit. Oh, you wanna find your friend? Too fucking bad. He's in a mud ravine. <laughs> Let's get real conspiratorial real fast. Okay. <laughs> the reason why there's these Weird weather events that happen just as the search and rescue parties start is because they're kicking the storms on. They're controlling the weather and there's dumbs under the national parks. They don't want those people found. They don't want the evidence found. I like it. Mostly because we all live in a dome that is weather controlled. Mm-hmm simulation of, of a different kind. It's like the Truman show out here. You're just walking around in the woods, picking berries, and all of a sudden, some government agent pops out of a Vietnamese Kong hole, grabs us by the feet, pulls us down into a tunnel, and then all of a sudden, a fucking Category 4 storm shows up and washes it all away. What a life. Getting pulled through punji pits and stuff. It's all solved. Little rice farmers out there. One feature of the missing four and one that keeps people awake at night is that when dead bodies are found, they are found in areas that the search party has already covered multiple times. It's as if someone or something waited until no one was around before placing the body or its parts and certain belongings in the search area. There are no tracks around the body, no scent trail, no blood, and no signs of struggle, excluding certain animal attacks so like i said guy pops out of a hole throws a body over jumps back down easy peasy does he throw it down the same hole that he came out of yeah so just like thud okay yeah and then shimmies back down the ladder yeah easy peasy it's very very easy while we're talking about um bodies or evidence of bodies popping up after the fact after the search and rescue has already searched for weeks and weeks if not months one case that stood out was that of jared adaderno who is actually three years old he was on a hiking trip in roosevelt national forest i think it was 1999 and just like we mentioned family members looked away for a brief second all of a sudden three-year-old kid is missing search and rescue look and look and look 
I think it was for eight days straight, 24 hours on the clock, day and night. Nothing. They did not come across anything. And the search continued periodically for about two years. Obviously, they weren't doing it 24-7 for two years straight. Is this the kid that just like disappeared from the campsite? Like they were sitting at their campsite and they turned around and he was gone? No, that was a two-year-old. His name's escaping me, but no, that's not him. But this kid... All of these search and rescue and the sheriff, the police were convinced that a big cat had got him, some sort of mountain lion or something. They were all very convinced. And then three years later, a pair of hikers found the top of his skull, his shoes, his jacket, and I think one of his teeth 500 feet up the mountain where search and rescue had looked extensively several times there was tests done on his clothes examinations looking for mountain lion hair you know shit like that blood teeth marks there was nothing of that sort there there was no evidence of an animal attack so it's just sort of like a mystery as to what happened to him obviously along with the rest of the people that we're going to get into most likely the government faked his death and he became an irs agent He's one of those new armed IRS agents. Yep. Indoctrinated young, pulled through the system, literally. Oh my God. (laughs) There are the disappearances of Tom Messick and Fred Drum in the Adirondacks, as well as three mysteries in the Santa Fe National Forest. Aaron Hedges' mysterious death in Montana's crazy mountains sounds like like a cool roller coaster water ride. Montana's crazy mountains. Anyways, and a cluster of another three missing people near Sonora, California. The crazy mountains are known to be crazy from a Native American legend about the old woman of the crazy mountains. You could get into the whole thing. They're in the middle of like a flat area. So there's just some random mountain range that's in the middle. They're peculiar and they have legends that go back hundreds of years with Native Americans. But let's begin our investigation on some of these people that are missing that are uh, other boy Dave, former cop, let us know about. We begin in upstate New York with Tom Messick. Now, Tom Messick was an 82-year-old ex-paratrooper. He was in the 82nd Airborne. Thank you for your service, Tom. And he went hunting for deer in the woods south of Brant Lake in New York State on November 15th, 2015, and was never seen again. Despite a large search of the area, no trace of him or his belongings, including a rifle and walkie-talkie, could be found. Surprisingly, the FBI was even involved in the investigation. The hunting disappearance is strange and perplexing, to say the least. Tom was supposed to stay in a specific area while members of the group walked through the woods, pushing deer toward him. What nice friends. But when they arrived at the location where he was supposed to be, he was gone. Uh, apparently he was sitting at a, on like a rock or a boulder. And, you know, they were doing a typical hunting thing where they push, you know, they encroach on deer and it pushes them towards a central position where they can all shoot them. And his wife in the documentary, I believe, was talking about that he was very adamant about taking snacks with him in the woods. 
usually a Snickers bar and they couldn't even find anything. And she's like, it's very sad to watch. She's like, they should have found the Snickers bar. I know we had one or something like that. Shouldn't have been eating a Snickers bar because he had a history of heart problems. And he also had one eye. He lost in an explosion in his early 20s, maybe during the 82nd Airborne. Real quick, do you think Tom might have turned into some sort of beast or man beast because he hadn't eaten his Snickers? You know, Tom, when you don't have your Snickers, you turn into a real animal. His wife was real quick to throw him under the bus for always littering his Snickers. He always drops his Snickers wrapper on the ground. (laughs) He's the most inconsiderate, beautiful man I've ever known. The way they were hunting chimpanzees hunt monkeys like that. They do. They do. They they push them up in the trees and then there's other ones waiting and they snatch them while they're running by. It's like pushing the herd to the cliff and letting it fall over and easy death. Beautiful. Since this guy got blown the fuck up in his early 20s, he clearly had poor vision because he was missing an eye and limited hearing as well. He also just had received 159 stitches in his hand, and he had also recently recovered from shingles and was on the verge of canceling this annual hunting trip, but did it anyway because he was a bad motherfucker. Isn't it possible that Tom might have popped himself one off in the head because of all his ailments? Just yeah, they would have found it. it. This is, well, I don't know. Maybe he got close to a cliff somewhere and he was like, pew. I was thinking it, but I wasn't going to say it. You're sick. I say all my intrusive thoughts. <laughs> what if he did that while beforehand had covered himself with leaves? So the only thing showing would just be him there. And then he, Courtney loved himself. Just a Snickers bar sticking out of a pile <laughs> Just of leaves. Like a <laughs> Tom, you're not like you when you're hungry. Next up, hushlings, we've got good old boy Fred Drum. Now, Drum was last seen in Schulerville, New York, which is about 50 miles south of Brant Lake on November 24th of 2015. He was last seen between 10 a.m. and 12 p.m. That day, he was alone at his home and went for a walk on his 170-acre property, which borders Fish Creek, and never returned. Drum's family reported him missing the next day after they were unable to locate him. He's thought to have taken his wallet, which contained his debit card and New York driver's license, but he left his vehicle behind. Questionable. The Saratoga County Sheriff's Office has this case listed as unsolved. Yeah, it's a weird case. There's not really a lot to go off of here. There's not really any uh, day activity that he had planned that we can really elaborate on. He just went for a walk and never came back. That could happen if you have expansive woods. What if he, like a likely explanation, he got out pretty far, he rolled an ankle, couldn't go anywhere, got snatched up by a black bear or a family of black bears or big cats. I mean, you probably wouldn't find too much of them, even though animal attacks and feastings usually leave whole body generally in a vicinity. Unless they drag them back to their cave or dwelling. Yeah, that too. Again, I'm sort of leaning suicide on this guy. Think so? Yeah, because he goes, I mean, 
in my head, that's all that's making sense. He goes for a walk on 170 acres of property, right? All he takes is his wallet, which contains his debit card and his license. Obviously, there's no Getty or Enterprise rent-a-cars out on his 170 you know, acres. So why else would you take your wallet so that your body could be identified when they find you, which they never did? Mm. One thing that's suspicious is that these things are about a week and a half apart and only 50 miles. Hmm. They're very close, and they have very big similarities, which makes them 411 cases, because they just vanish. I mean, how many people just vanish? Is it a 411 case because it's in the wilderness? Somebody could just vanish on the streets of Chicago, right? Yeah, they do all the time. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's the fact that it happens on this like massive expanse of land. The other thing that's weird is both of these guys were outdoorsmen. They were older gentlemen who knew the lay of the land and how to survive in it. And one of them was armed. I don't know if Fred had a, a, a gun on him, but Tom clearly had a rifle on him. They were deer hunting. Very strange. Moving on to New Mexico, friends. The land of enchantment. And missing people, apparently. <laughs> we move on to Audrey Kaplan. On July 30th, 2014, 75-year-old Dallas woman named Audrey Kaplan, who had a second home in the Santa Fe area with her husband, was discovered in a densely wooded area with her arms and hands in a stream of water. Her body was discovered around 1.2 miles northwest of Wilderness Gate a few days later on the 4th of August. All of her clothes were missing, usually a practice known as paradoxical undressing in which people who are freezing to death remove all of their clothes because they feel like they're burning up with a fever. Mm, diet loft pass. Mm, mm. Members of the search and rescue team discovered her clothing and other belongings nearby. Around 10.30 a.m., she separated from her husband and left the trail to look for mushrooms. Me too. When she did not arrive by 12.15 p.m., her husband and others went in search of her. And torrential rains and fog and low temperatures in the nights as low as 40s engulfed the area following Friday, complicating the search and rescue efforts. Hmm, so we have the weather rolling. I would say, though, anywhere where it's mountainous or desert-like, you're going to have some wonky weather. I'm not sure what the topography of this area is. Could she have fallen in the stream and broke something? There's not too much on the autopsy. That would have been a really, really good piece of information to have to see if there was any major injuries. But either way, why would she be naked? Mm. Why would she have taken her clothes off? Other than the, the paradoxal undressing. Yeah, I could see it, but 40s is not a temperature that that would be happening. That's not freezing to death temperature. No, not generally. Did they find her clothes? I think they found pieces of her clothing. The weird part about it is, is that she was one of the ones that was found. So you'd think that they would have more answers. She might not actually, in my mind, be one of those types of people that can be categorized in this. She's a person who got lost in the woods and then they found her. Because the body was found. Yeah. Yeah. She was a, a lost and found. <laughs> Moving on. Mel Natal. 
couple years prior to a few of these that we've talked about. On September 6th in 2009, Mel Nato was last seen bow hunting with his two friends in the Elk Mountain area, also in the Santa Fe National Forest near Pecos, New Mexico. Now, Mel always carried a 44 Special Revolver and a Martin bow with camouflage print and black and white zebra-striped arrows. So he was very particular. You would know if you found Mel. Obviously a man of class, a man of high regard. Mm. He held himself to a certain standard, quite obviously. Now, Nell left the campsite at 4.30 p.m. He told his friends that he wouldn't be gone long and would be back by nightfall, but he never returned and has never been seen or heard from again. One thing about Mel, too, is that he was regarded very highly. He was a martial arts instructor in the town. I believe he was in like a black belt in Taekwondo or something like that. I wonder how many of these cases are actually people just trying to fake their own death or fake, you know, and then move on to a new life. It's got to be at least one. Not Mel. Yeah. Mel sounds like a guy that would do that. Dude, he had it going for him. Mm. Look at that mustache. He was like Never. the dude who owned Cobra Kai. He was just like, yeah. Got a nice you never know. Maybe he was in deep debt. I, I think there was some spots of his biography that I didn't include in here that uh, he may have been tied up with some mm-hmm. folks that, you know, were looking for cashola. Talking like the mob? The knee breakers. The knee breakers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like in the movie Payback where he's smashing his toes and it looked like roast beef. That stuff. Is that why he had the 44? Because... He didn't really need the 44 if he had the bow while he was elk hunting. I, I would keep the 44 for cats in my yeah. bear. My, yeah, cats are bears. You know, that'd put down a kitty cat for sure out in the woods. You just got to shoot that bear like six times in the face. With these missing 411 cases, cats come up so much. Large cats come up so much. Did you know that in the last. I forget if the statistic is 10 years or 15 years, but it might be 10 years that there's been no more than 15 fatal big cat attacks between Canada and the United States. 15. Yeah. There's lots of cats. Not that many attacks. No. I think they're very curious, probably like regular cats. Cats are cats. I mean, they might not always attack you. Coming in for a cuddle. The majority of his belongings were locked inside his 2001 Jeep Grand Cherokee. Ugh, Mel, you are killing it, man. Including his backpack, cellular phone, and GPS unit. He usually carried the GPS with him while hunting to avoid getting lost. See? That seems on purpose, then. Maybe he had this planned out. He was like, alright, I'm just going to go out there. The GPS, they could have tracked him down. Usually he carries it during hunting. This time he didn't. Hmm. Nadell's scent was followed by dogs for about 50 yards from the camp down the trail he said he would take. His family said he had gotten lost before and that after that experience, he preferred to stay close to the campsite. Yeah, this one's interesting too because they're on the top of a mountain. So you can see around you. And he just randomly was like, you know, I'm going to go for a stroll. At night and walk away. Maybe maybe Mel had to take a mean shit and he didn't want to be anywhere near his buddies. Nadell's family said that he had no health issues and doesn't believe he left on his own accord. 
and police can't find any evidence of foul play in his disappearance. But his family thought that he wouldn't have done that on his own accord. He is presumed still to have become lost or injured in the wilderness. Upon investigation of this case, the team's equipment acted up and failed. The Geiger counter, the trifled meter, the 35mm camera, the cell phone. The only thing that worked part of the time was the digital camera. So we have some shots of before and after the gear went wonky. Top shot is some of the areas where the campsite was. And after everything started getting funky, that's what they were getting out of the camera. Broad daylight. Weird stuff. Some weird electromagnetic type of thing. Interference, maybe? Well, let's stay in the same general area. Stanley Vigil was last seen on November 7th near Barillas Peak, east of Picos, during a hunting trip with his family. And as they were driving through the mountains, Stanley spotted a deer. He jumped out of the truck and began tracking the animal, which his wife said was not unusual for their hunting party. So this dude just stopped the truck out of nowhere. He was like, I'm getting that deer. Yeah. yeah just, just left his family in the car. He was deer-termined. <laughs> I quit. Well, Hushlings, the show is over. <laughs> it's been a phenomenal uh, three years of a show. We appreciate all of you. So what? After he gets the deer, that's it. They're packing up, going home. They didn't even start their trip yet. No, it's the beginning of the, the trip. Started with a bang. You know, he was like, "How about one right out of the gate?" <laughs> well, after he hopped out of this truck, it only took about five minutes for snow and fog to spread through the area, diminishing their field of view to about ten yards. His sister, Darcy, said, quote, after 15 minutes, the alarmed hunting party started calling her brother's name, honking and firing shots in the air. They heard a shot fired back, but farther away, end quote. Ultimately, Stanley never returned. Why didn't they check the weather before they left for this hunting party? Valid question. They should have checked the weather while this was going on, seen if it actually showed up on any radar. Huh? Huh? Man-made. Members of the hunting party called for search and rescue and the help of the state police, but Vigil could not be located. There's video evidence of him going to the door of the mobile home and telling the lady inside he needed help, but he was turned away because the woman was afraid. She didn't know Stanley, who was carrying a pistol. She was alone with her children late at night. So it's interesting with this one is that he was seen on a game camera moseying towards somebody's trailer or you know, mobile home. And this is like speculation. If he actually entered or not, you don't see him going in, but he's walking towards the property line of this woman. I don't know if she was questioned. She must have been questioned if this game camera footage was obtained because it was probably hers. But they don't know if he had his pistol holstered or if he was carrying it, if he was acting hostile so this is kind of like speculation from friends and family that they think that this woman might be involved with his disappearance. Well, let's take it at face value, just because. Let's take it in the opposite realm. If he came up to her door, she does have her children inside, he's waving a gun around or whatever, and he's saying, I need you to open up, I need help. You're going to open the door for a guy with a gun that's saying he needs help? Probably not. Probably not. Yeah, exactly. Especially in the middle of the woods. I wouldn't do it here. 
so my question is, is like, okay, so you have this guy, he's a hunter, he has a gun, and he's still trying to find his way to some sort of civilization or contact for help. So what has him spooked or what is he running away from that he's going to need help even with brandishing a weapon? Yeah, because they don't specify if he was injured or not. Hmm. Weird one. They're all weird, man. Do we know how long the amount of time that passed between him chasing after that rogue deer and him showing up to this lady's mobile home? I believe the trail camera was in the evening. It was after dark. Maybe give or take a couple hours. Hmm. Yeah, probably getting chased by a Wendigo or something. Chilling. A quick mention about the mysterious case of Breck Phelps. The 68-year-old man was last seen on October 1st of 2016. His friends had assumed that he went on to a fishing trip, but did not return home on October 2nd. Breck's car was discovered parked along Highway 108 in Tulum County, California, about a quarter mile from Donnell Vista Point. Despite a large-scale coordinated search in the area, he was never found. A lot of these people are older, too. That's what I've noticed. Yeah, so maybe just cognitive mistakes. Sad, but it's a very big possibility. Yeah, you could go your entire life being a hunter or being an outdoorsman, being a fisherman. But when you get into those higher ages, elderly age, things start to go. And you're not as quick or nimble on your feet as you used to be. Yeah, true. These cases involve children just as much as they do elderly. We're not really covering any of any of the young ones, but there's there's a ton of them. There's a lot of them. Like I said, that missing 411 doc that I watched, it was all children. I think the oldest person they covered was like 10 years old. But children and older people, those susceptible to the least amount of fighting back. I didn't think about that. That brings a whole new set of questions. And most children, right, correct me if I'm wrong, are just literally like their parents look this way and then they look back and they're gone. Yeah, gone. Yeah, they they can't hear them when they're screaming for them. Just no no footprints, no weird smells, nothing. You would think if it was some sort of big bird, like we keep talking about, some sort of eagle or something taking away a, a small child or a toddler, that you would hear screams from the child. Yeah. I asked myself the same question earlier, but I was trying to think of myself like four years old, like if I got picked up by an eagle and just say its talons didn't pierce my skin, like it just gently caressed and grazed my shirt and somehow like caught the collar of it and it just started flying away with me, I'd probably be pretty awestruck and breathtaking and not even be able to scream. It'd be like a loss of words. But then again, I'm not four years old. Yeah, I'd probably scream. I don't know. But also, what are the chances that every single kid who was taken was A, taken by a predatory bird, and B, if they were taken by a predatory bird, that they didn't have their flesh pierced or head and scalp pierced? I mean, a lot of these, I guess that the bird hypothesis is interesting, but a lot of these happen in heavily wooded areas generally not seeing major large predatory birds swooping like they're in a star Wars movie in, in between trees on a speeder. Yeah. That's mostly happening in planes. Yeah. Wide open spaces, field mouse. 
while we're on the bird theory, the name of that kid that was escaping me earlier was Dior Kunz or Dior Kens, something like that. Search and Rescue actually checked all of the known eagle's nests in the area. They checked all the nests for like remains of him or pieces of his clothing and didn't find anything. I can't say the same for the rest of the search and rescue pertaining to children, but at least that case, they checked nests. Hushlings, we will return after these brief messages. Greetings, Hushtillians. The boys travel back in time to the 1960s for another assassination mystery. On June 5th, 1968, just after giving a speech at the Ambassador Hotel in Los Angeles, Robert Francis Kennedy was shot multiple times. The fatal shot was fired from a 22 caliber revolver at a range of only one inch. Five other people were wounded in the ordeal. The gunman, Saran Saran, was a Palestinian who held strong anti-Zionist and pro-Palestinian beliefs. We examine all the angles and try to connect the dots. Was there a second gunman? Was the CIA involved? Who was the woman in the polka dot dress? Could Saran have been a Manchurian candidate, as well as other theories? Join us for Debriefing 76, streaming everywhere Monday, June 19th. The RFK Assassination. Welcome back to the Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour. Moving on, we have Patricia Sue Tolhurst, who was last seen on April 18th of 2014 in Twain Heart, California. On April 20th, she mailed a letter to some friends stating that she was going to Kennedy Meadows to, quote, put her feet in the water, end quote. She was never seen or heard from again. Her white Toyota 4Runner was discovered abandoned on Highway 108, again near Donald Vista Point, on April 22nd. It held Tolhurst's purse and other belongings. I want to put my feet in the water. It sounds like she jumped in some body of water or something like that. No, well, you're thinking too far into it. You think so? You think, think she so. just wanted to just hang out at a pond? Probably. Dave, not everything is dark and depressing. You were just saying that these were all suicides. <laughs> <laughs> Look at this lady. She had it all going for her. She did. Kill her hair. And a forerunner. Mike knows them bitches run forever. Yeah. She had that going for her. It's true. It's true. Next, we're going to talk about Nita Marie Mayo. Great name. And she was last seen on August 8th of 2005 at her home in Hawthorne, Nevada. She had told a friend that she was going on a one-day shopping trip over the Sierra Nevada mountains to the mountain range's western side. Beautiful. She stated that she would travel over Sonora Pass on State Route 108. Hmm. Keep seeing that. She would return by evening, and then she would report to work the next day. That's a very detailed itinerary. Not many people give that detailed of an itinerary when they're going out for the day. It is 2005. So it's either MapQuest printed directions and you're going kind of into the void. Why are you saying that all to your friend? Just in case if you can't find me. <laughs> yes. Her station wagon was later found at Donnell's Vista, a lookout point on State Route 108 just outside of Sonora. Two days later, 
after she was last seen. This Donnell point, is, is this just like a high cliff? People just jumping? Donnell Vista, that's a spot right there, man. It's mentioned in what, the last three or four of these, right? As soon as you Google it, it says Donnell Vista disappearances. Yeah. Oh, so wow. So it's a big thing. This is a drop. Oh, yeah. Oh, geez. Oh, that's a big drop. Yeah, but wouldn't there be like a pile of... Oh, okay, it's in the water. I was going to say pile of bodies if people are just <laughs> leaping. Well, it's in California. Give it a couple of years and that'll all dry up. We'll find them. It'll dry up. They'll turn into wood chips. The keys were locked inside the car. It was opened with a keypad, and Mayo's cell phone, wallet, and purse were also inside the vehicle. Only her camera was missing. There was no sign of her at the scene. She probably was uh, trying to get a good view of this lookout and went, Woo. Oh no, I hope I don't fall. Maybe she slipped. You ain't surviving that fall. That's a thousand plus feet. I don't think they're falling into the water. I don't know. Dude, may- maybe maybe there's hidden cheese graters in the cliff and these people are just getting shredded up and the fish are eating the little bits. <laughs> I don't know. The last mysterious case that we'll be covering is Aaron Hedges. On September 14th of 2014, he became separated from the two friends who had accompanied him on a hunting trip into the crazies. Man, that mountain range. One of his friends is quoted as saying, Archery hunting is not really a group effort. I think he went off on his own and was going to do his own thing. End quote. Hedges is said to have radioed his friends to inform them that he had missed a turnoff on his way back to their camp. His plan was to seek refuge near Sunlight Lake. They had apparently had a hunting camp the previous year there, and it was their understanding that he was heading to that cache. So this guy was going up a mountain and then coming back and missed a clear as day trailhead in clear weather. It's very strange. According to the group, the original plan was that he was going to go up to that cache to get a sleeping bag and some other stuff and then come back. He radioed them that he had missed the turnoff and they told him that he needed to come back up the trail and come back into camp. That was the last time they had heard from him. On September 10th, his wife reported him missing and since then, searchers have discovered a pair of boots a water backpack, and a fire spot thought to belong to Hedges on the eastern side of the mountains. So he set up a fire. Allegedly. Supposedly. Yeah. And on June 19th of 2015, about 30 to 40 miles north of Big Timber, Montana, Charlie Rain was fixing a section of fence. While heading back, he found a backpack sitting against a tree, clothes against another, and other items belonging to Hedges, including a bow and a hunting license. And a year later, in 2016, his remains were discovered about a half a mile away from where the bow and backpack were found, just outside of the 2015 search area. About 15 miles from where he was last seen, and about 6 miles from where his boots were discovered. A cell phone was also discovered alongside the remains. He was actually quite close to a family-owned ranch property, 
and possibly could have seen it visually, and there were other variables that could have factored into his disappearance. He was recovering from alcoholism and possible use of benzodiazepines. Which, uh, yeah, that'll mess you up. And especially if he was drinking. Another thing that his friends or even family, I think his wife had said it in an interview, was that he may have gone on his own to get away from the friends that may have been drinking beer or gone on his own to drink, vice versa. There's no clear answer. But if he was mixing both, that is a recipe for disaster. In 2016, when they found his body, are we aware of how long he had been dead when they found it? Two years. Like, was he dead? Okay, so he was dead since 2014. He probably died shortly after he disappeared, I would imagine. He was also shoeless throughout this whole ordeal. Yeah. He took his boots off, which is, I guess, weird. I don't know. I mean, especially if you're trekking through an area that's really got sharp rocks and really ragged terrain, the last thing you're going to do is take your Tims off. Oh, what could be happening to these people, especially if a lot of them are extremely highly skilled and experienced hunters, hikers, outdoorsmen? There are some theories in this topic that researchers have, and yet most of them are, of course, paranormal. First, could these unfortunate souls have been abducted by extraterrestrial beings in UFOs? What do you think, boys? For the people that they never, and you're shaking your head, you don't think so? No. no. Why not? Because the people that disappear where their people look this way and then look another way, there's going to be a craft that comes down, beams them up, and they're gone. But that's not every case. Yeah, and you're also thinking traditional movie theater. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fire in the so sky. We don't know how real that might slow. Work. Yeah. Might just dissolve like Star Trek. Where it's like, and you're gone. I think it's possible. I'm, I'm not going to say definitely not. Because there's cases of abductions that I do believe in. So I'm not going to say some of these people were definitely not abducted. I can't say that. Maybe the nighttime ones. Even the daytime ones. Like There's not a lot of people out there. They might have some fire cloaking tech and they're not scared to do it during the day. Well, Carl Higdon, an alleged abductee, claims he and several elk were abducted by aliens. Higdon believes the aliens only let him go because his vasectomy rendered him unfit for their experiments. It's a captivating story full of strange details that Higdon tells with the utmost conviction in Missing 411, the Alien UFO Connection documentary. I'm getting a vasectomy tomorrow. <laughs> you don't want to turn up like Jimbo, right? No, 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 no. Some other big questions that caused some discussion with the disappearances. Could Sasquatch be snatching people up, eating them, or just for sport? There have been numerous reports of hunters hearing strange sounds in the woods at night and even during the day. There were some reports of the uh, of the wild man out there and mm. seeing like wild hairy men. I know there was one report of a 411 case in a national park where a kid had gone missing. I think he was like six or seven years old. And the parents or the father had said that he seen a wild man running away with his child like underarm, you know, like carrying Mm -hmm. him under his arm with like long scraggly hair, crazy 
homeless living in the national forest, man. Just Tom Hanks from Castaway. Some of these sounds appear to be coordinated knocks, whoops, and other noises from objects such as rocks being thrown, branches breaking in remote areas of Yosemite National Park is one of the major spots that these folks hear that whoop whoop. You think Sasquatch is an ICP fan? I really hope so. <laughs> is it Juggalo? He's just wearing the makeup in the middle of the woods. <laughs> you just see him. You see him behind a tree. Whoop whoop. He's got a bottle of Fago. <laughs> Magnets. How the fuck do they work? Squatches. I'm not so sure on. I'm not sure. Maybe uh, when people are like solo dolo out there by themselves, but when they're with groups of people, how confident are you that a Sasquatch is a fairly stealthy creature? Like, do you think it can move nice and quiet? They're probably a couple hundred pounds, but they're also barefoot. Maybe they're really good at like sneaking up on people. But even if you can't hear them coming, from what I've heard, you can probably smell them. Smell them, yeah. So... <laughs> the other people in the missing person's party would at least report a really weird smell when they went missing. Maybe yeah, it would stand out as, you know, some sort of weird factor or the wildlife and wind stops. There's no sound around them. Some weird extra paranormal thing. Yeah. Let's also not forget that there are massive cave systems that kind of line up with national park locations. So if you overlay a map of cave systems with a map of national parks throughout the United States, a lot of them overlap. How many of these people are maybe falling into these cave systems, finding their way into these cave systems and getting lost, ground falling out from underneath them, any kind of like weird anomaly that may be happening where they end up in these spaces and there's no way out. Or there's some sort of creature down there. Or it's uh, the government popping out from little hidey holes, wearing their little rice farmer hats, pulling people in by their legs, turning them into new IRS agents. Just saying. Figured it out. So what are we talking here? Is it the shadow government? Are they abducting people for experiments? Is the so-called Galactic Federation slave trade at work? Is it sex trafficking, slave labor, organ harvesting? It all seems a little bit far-fetched, but if you really think about it hard enough, you might convince yourself. It's for the Adrenochrome. Oh, God. Oh, I. speaking of the Adrenochrome, hold on. I'm so sorry. I came up with a theory today. I was using the, the massage gun. We've got, like, one of those massage gun things. Massage guns were created by the cannibal elites to keep the population tender. Nice. So when they do, and you pay for it, you're paying to stay tender for them for when they eat you. You're just tenderizing. Fantastic. There is the Native American legend, the Wendigo, that could come into play, or even shape shifting entities from another dimension entering ours and stealing people. Uh, We did propose this at Roanoke. I remember talking about the Wendigo and people just vanishing into thin air i mean that was a whole colony that vanished so not in a state park maybe now it is but there was that talk of the native american lore of the earth absorbing the people 
back into Ooh. the earth like trees in the Ooh. ground literally absorbing them yeah yeah that'd be wild that would be wild oh imagine you just put your back up against a tree I, hey hey hold on guys i gotta go take a quick shit and you just just get sucked get into the sucked tree into the fucking you earth. think it'd be quick like that it wouldn't be like a slow happening thing no, it would suck you in quick, but then it would feed on your body for a long time. Yeah. You would feel it until you parted ways. Until <laughs> you're the sap. <laughs> That's sick. New conspiracy theory. Maple syrup is people. It's just tree blood. Sweet, sweet, delicious adrenochrome from a tree. Hustlings, what do we think about it maybe being just unfortunate? mental illness happenings a suicidal person or persons looking to vanish into the woods kind of like okigahara forest the suicide forest in japan maybe this uh route 108 is the the hot spot for this action there's lots of triangles too areas of weird things happening all over the country i'm not sure if highway 108 sits in that triangle we spoke of in the sierra nevadas but i think it's in a similar region believe we talked about it in Okigahara Forest, too, where the Earth was supposed to absorb people as well. That was one theory. Yeah, with the volcanic rock that exists there and also pushing out just weird energies to make people do these things or yeah. kind of implant these bad feelings into them from the electrical impulses of the land. It would explain that one team's investigation with having some crazy electromagnetic frequency interference and stuff. Uh, that some of these areas could just be negatively charged or have bad energy in them. Mm. Finally, Hushlings, could it have just been somebody who took the wrong step, broke a leg, fell off a cliff, or decided the incorrect thing at the wrong time? And was all these disappearances just kind of plain accidents or extremely unfortunate tragedies? Lastly, it's worth mentioning that Brian Dunning of the Skeptoid podcast on episode 794 absolutely tore Polydace apart and called him a Bigfoot evangelist. <laughs> How about them apples? <laughs> I listened to that show too. <laughs> it tore him to shreds. <laughs> a Bigfoot evangelist. Yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah. All right, Hushlings, we've reached that point in the show where we dive into Reddit. That's right, we scoured the subreddits of Reddit to find any more interesting tidbits about the missing 411. Our Reddit post is kind of a funny one. I combed and combed and combed and couldn't find anything, and I thought this one would be fitting. It's from the subreddit Unpopular Opinion, and the user is Einstein EAX. This was posted about a month ago on our wonderful website, Reddit. It's titled, The Missing 411 Phenomenon is Stupid. <laughs> it goes on to say, Every aspect of what makes Missing 411 case just explains the others. A lot of people go missing in national parks. Well, that's where a lot of people go visit and go hiking and get lost. Large elevation changes with bouldery environments. That describes most national parks. Most remains found have had traumatic injuries. Seen before. Mention the elevation changes in boulders. Most people aren't found, and the ones that are found are dead. The Post continues to say, That is the truth in vast majority of cases when the person isn't found within the first 48 hours. 
The National Park Service doesn't let local law enforcement or private investigators investigate. That's because it's federal land under federal legal jurisdiction. In my opinion, the people who try to say all of these cases are part of some big conspiracy already want to believe that and only look at the cases that fit their story and have a poor grasp at the banality of these types of cases. End quote. Sounds like he's a hater. Sounds like this guy uh, really knows his shit. Sounds like he's really mad at this theory for some reason. Sounds I'm like an avid boulder. Gripe. Yeah, yeah, big boulder guy. The thing that strikes me is that there are also people on the opposite side of every argument. So you have the people that just say, oh, there's people that believe every conspiracy theory and they cherry pick things that prove their points, obviously. But that's also true of the opposite end of it. There's That's true of people on the other side of the argument. There are people that will look at it and go, you pointed out that case, but what about this case that just seems so normal? And it's like, okay, yeah, that seems normal. But in a lot of these cases, there's very weird circumstances. Under these weird circumstances, you would have to admit, yeah, that's a weird thing. But they're so stuck in their way of thinking that they go, oh, well, that's a normal thing. You know, if you're out in the woods by yourself, of course you're going to take all your clothes off and go running through the woods and for no apparent reason and then end up in a stream. Of course you're going to do that. You know, there's like the, there's cognitive dissonance on both ends of these arguments at all times. Have you guys ever been lost in the woods? No, I make it a point not to be lost. I have been, yeah. Yeah, where you're like, there's that point, I have no idea how to get the fuck out of here. I like to think that I have a really good sense of direction, but just for our listeners out there, in the event that you are ever lost in the woods, assuming that it's not just flat ground, head downhill, find water, follow water, water typically leads you to civilization, downhill, find water, you'll be good. But yeah, at flatlands where it's all just trees, you better hope you saw something distinctive that you can find again. Or... What you do is you climb the tallest tree that you can find so that you get a good bird's eye view of where you're at. Break both of your legs. All right, boys. Let's say we get into our final thoughts. Declassified Dave, what do you got on the missing 411? I think all of these cases are pretty interesting. What's really compelling about them is that a lot of these cases are really experienced hunters, outdoorsmen, trackers, people of that nature who have probably spent a long time in the woods that they got missing in or the areas they got missing in. Some of them might have lived there their entire lives. But the things that are really, really interesting is that all the people that they were with were also experienced and they just vanished from them. Um, some of them probably within you know, a certain distance where you might actually be able to see somebody if you were wearing the correct clothing. The missing 401 stuff is really interesting. The kids stuff, I wish we got a little bit more into it. Uh, we probably could have made a lo way longer episode and or a part two. Maybe we'll do something on Patreon for the kids cases. Those are definitely very interesting because they're just vanishing in front of their families. I'm not sure what it could be. I think people realistically might have just taken missteps in the woods. I mean, accidents happen all the time, but 3,000 something people in one year. It's a pretty significant number, even with all the people that do visit national parks. This one's very mysterious to me because I honestly don't have any solid thought on any of this. 
there's obviously a bunch of people that maybe have just gone missing. They got lost in the woods. That is what it is. Uh, like you said, the people that just kind of disappear, that's an odd one, especially when there's people so close nearby. But with a lot of these, I want to say that I believe that there are some sort of maybe deep state agents popping out of hatches in the ground wearing uh, Vietnamese rice farmer hats and pulling people into these cave systems to do terrible diabolical experiments on them. That's my final thought. Slick Frog Sanders, what do you got for your final thoughts on the missing 411? Frog final thought. Final thought from Slick Frog. Yeah, sure. I got you. The missing 411 is a huge subject. We just covered the tiniest little slice out of the pie that is these missing people. Like we've said over and over and over, it was upwards of, you know, close to 3,500 disappearances just in the national forests alone this year. When it comes to the people that we covered, I'm going to say for the most part, anything is on the table. Like I did mention, uh, it seems like this guy might have went off himself. Uh, that lady, maybe she was abducted by a UFO. But looking at the grand scheme of missing people, I think there's tons of different outcomes. I don't think all of these people are going missing just because of Wendigos or just because of UFOs, just because they owed the mob money so they faked their death. I would say pretty much any possible theory that you could come up with might be possible as long as it's not too wildly outlandish. The odds of a Sasquatch grabbing somebody and running off with them I don't know. They're probably slim to none. Could it happen? Yeah. Same with a UFO abduction. Same with a Wendigo consuming somebody in the woods. Same as a tree absorbing a toddler into its essence. Like, I'm not knocking anything and I'm not suggesting anything. I think all answers are fair game here. And that's it. Fair. It's a weird one. I like the weird ones. Yeah. All right, Hushlings, that is going to do it for this episode on The Missing 411. What did you think? Was there anything that we missed? Anything that we should have mentioned? Did we uh, go missing in the woods? Did we have any missing 411? Let us know. Reach out to us at our email, contact at hushhushsociety.com. And Hushlings, before we let you go, we want to remind you to join us for our next debriefing when we travel back to California in the presidential primary elections of June in 1968 in Los Angeles to investigate the assassination of RFK, Robert F. Kennedy. Yes, the other Kennedy brother that got capped streaming everywhere on June 19th. And a message to our trusty patrons, our next exclusive debriefing will be held on Thursday, July 20th. This time we'll be owning nothing and being happy by living for free in FEMA camps. That's right, Thursday, July 20th, FEMA camps, only on Patreon. And Hushlings, before we go, thank you for all the support. We are nearing some more milestones. We are halfway through season eight, and we are coming up on our three-year anniversary, and we are so stoked for 
that episode. Not telling you anything yet. We'll tell you soon. Thank you guys for joining us for another investigation with the Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour. I'm Declassified Dave. And I'm Mystery Mike. And I'm Sir Frank Sanders. Until our next debriefing, remember, the best kept secrets are hidden in plain sight.